0: And we are back with another episode of the Big by Big Performance Podcast. Uh, today's episode is going to be very short, and we're going to cover basically myself, reflecting the first year of coaching, what a first-time coach should prepare for, how to handle certain hurdles, and more importantly, find your coaching style. Now, let's dive into the first topic. Before I got into coaching full-time, it was a part-time job. I was working at a golf course while attending school at Georgia State. And in terms of coaching, I would mainly just help out a postgraduate program for basketball. And in between that time, I would help out my mentor, Coach Harper, with basketball skills training. But it wasn't a full-time thing. As I'm in school, I'm taking classes for exercise science. And basically, I wanted to make use of my degree early. I didn't want to wait until I graduated to find a job. I felt like it was better to work in a situation where what I'm learning right now can be applied. And the more I apply it, the more experience is gained. And more importantly, the more knowledge that's learned from me, because experience is the best teacher in life. Um, Hopefully I'm not too far from this microphone. So basically I will acquire the job in November of 2020 at a gym in North Georgia and I worked there. It was a youth athletics training facility, mainly geared towards ages of seven to age 18. Still had college students that came by and used a facility that used to be athletes there. And you had rising seniors going to college who would use it as their, you know, summer training facility after they obviously went to their college of choice, met the coaching staff, took their little bit of classes and came back. Now, The first year was kind of hard for these reasons. I wasn't expecting um, the hours to be limited in terms of pay. You only get paid what the gym has. So um, you have to basically figure out how to generate revenue for the gym and how to drive certain things to help the gym grow. Once the gym grows, your income grows. Very simple, right? But I'm so used to having my role defined for me working a, you know, regular nine to five job. You clock in, clock out, whatever is written down, you know, you do it for you. The only autonomy I had was probably for myself trying to create my own brand. But trying to generate revenue and advertise things and do something for somebody else was very new to me. It's a hard concept if you're not used to putting yourself in the shoes of others or in the shoes of businesses you don't study or know. So that being said, as time went on, I basically tried to figure out ways how to help. Those ways were basically for me, either trying to create more classes to advertise a seller at the front desk or create a certain type of camp or clinic Uh, a lot of different things were just thrown uh, on the wall, hoping it would stick. And um, it looked like a lot of things weren't sticking at that time. So eventually, um, shift of of, um, property owners and business owners, basically, and then we're taking a whole new direction. So now, with that being said, we're having more guidance, more help in terms of pushing the direction of the company in a way that's gonna generate more revenue. However, Still, I'm still trying to figure out how to help this thing grow. So now it's like, you know, you're given the reins to do whatever you want. But I feel like that's not possible when you're in a situation in structure. You can't tell everybody, you do this, you do that, you do this, you can do whatever you want. Just communicate amongst each other. That works in hindsight to just say, just communicate amongst each other. But in reality, it's like... If everybody creates a certain type of strategy of what they want to do and then once it's made and formulated, it doesn't match what the leader of the company wants, it starts to get frustrated when that's a cycle and then others begin to just stop making up these plans because, you know, holes are poked in it, oh, this isn't it, Uh, not really. So individuals kind of just get bogged down, just wait like, okay, if this isn't what you want. Tell us what you want, and we'll deliver it. But then they're telling you, no, just do what you need to do, and let me just sell it. That's my job. It's your guy's job to handle the facility as coaches and create programs for you to come in, and it's my job to advertise my coaches because I believe in you guys. You guys are great coaches, and don't worry about putting yourself out there. So it was a lot of miscommunication um, about a lot of things. Things weren't just – conveyed properly, in my opinion. And so it just led to certain things taken personal, um, people not seeing eye to eye. And it showed me how, when you're in the gym, how important, you know, direction is, more importantly, a clear direction. And a clear direction should be, what's the purpose of this gym within a community? Um, What's the purpose of us as a gym towards the individuals that come in here and what are we trying to do for them? Besides obviously get them faster, or stronger, but you know, what are the deeper meanings behind it? What type of culture are we setting? Who are we affecting? Who are we impacting um, five years from now? What do people say about us in the community? What's our word of mouth like? That's what I realized that, you know, that's really important you want to establish something within your community that is more than just a gym and your kids go there to get better. It's like you're sending your child there to grow as a man or a woman, to go from childhood to teenage years or adolescence to adulthood. you like to have your child there for that long, for at least eight to 10 years. And for that to happen, you want to have coaches there who want to stay there for eight to 10 years to help build that. And it's not easy. Because if nobody is on the same page, it's going to be a constant revolving doors of coaches or owners or different tactics, like different things are going to change if people are always willing to jump ship if the quota of revenue isn't being met. It's a strain on the individual who owns the business and it's a strain on certain employees. So my first year being in that situation, it opened up a lot of my eyes to different situations i wasn't told or even known about if i were to go in a more pristine condition of a um gym setting where they have a consistent clientele and it's just your job to coach i don't think i would have grown this situation showed me how to use a pos system properly showed me how to present myself showed me how to multitask in an efficient way how to coach but at the same time be a leader on the floor and take control of certain things and things need to be taken control of, how to properly communicate to others to get the job done. It's a lot of things I learned in that chaotic environment. And, you know, for me, I think it was essential because that was my first year I was wet behind the ears. And you can either handle it and pass the flying colors or you can just walk away instantly and say, this isn't for me. So I stayed there, and I think the most important thing I learned from that situation is knowing what you want to do as a coach first before applying or trying to work at other gyms. Yes, you want to get experience. Yes, you want to learn. You don't really care about what it is, but you should kind of have some direction or some type of know-how of what it is you want to do. Or who's to say maybe this is something that allows you to get to figure out Is this the type of population I want to coach? Is this the type of setting of gym I want to be in? Who knows? Maybe that route is good for you, too. If you truly don't know, you can hop around a couple of gyms. I mean, I have did it. I've tried uh, two or three different gyms uh, this year, and it allowed me to figure out which population I want to coach, what type of coaching setting I want to be in, and more importantly, my style, which we'll talk about in a few. So... Being a full-time coach for the first year just allowed me to understand how much you are a mentor to the space more than just a person giving out drills and workouts. And the more I focus on that, the more I was able to make kids come back more. And the retention ship grew for the kids I talked to. Um, And I realized that for myself, this is something I enjoy. This is something I kind of started to like knowing that a lot of hardships I went through in life can be used as lessons for these other individuals so they can have a better life down the road. And in terms of certain hurdles or hardships when it comes to coaching, uh, be ready for basically working for less at first, to be honest with you, be ready for that. And don't be so quick to ask for a raise. If If you're not bringing any revenue to the gym, if you're not bringing in more clients, If you're not driving a program or a class that is being booked up constantly, if you're not doing any of these things to, in a sense, prove that you're worth the extra money, why would somebody put more money in you? It's kind of like a stock. If the stock is moving at, I don't know, a cent a year, why would I keep putting money on this stock? I'm not seeing any yield from this. I'm not seeing any type of gross revenue not gross revenue. I'm not seeing any type of significant revenue from this. Nothing has changed besides what, maybe a 10 cents. Uh, It's not moving the needle enough for me to just let this stock go and invest in something else. And that's the business of it. And you have to understand that. However, things do not happen overnight. To build programs, you know, with the human body, things take time. It's going to take at least, I'm not even gonna say one, it's going to take maybe two to three years before you see any program, any gym really grow. Now, for you to say it can happen with just one really built, one well-built program, eh, I can't say that. Because for that to happen, people will have to see consistent results first, especially if you're new to the space. So if you're new to the space and you're not bringing anything with you, You have to then prove people you know how to coach, and that's going to take your first year. And then once you establish yourself as a coach, upon that second year of the few people you have gained trust in in terms of the clients, now, once they get results, they attract their friends, then their friends attract their friends, and so on and so forth. And then this is where you start to have more pull. However, individuals may not last that long or... The position of ownership may not be patient enough to see things through. So, those are those are a couple of hurdles you have to understand that if you are coming to the gym space, have a plan of what it is you want to do as a coach. Don't just go in there and say I, I need to learn. I am here to shadow somebody. That's cool, but majority of gyms are there to make money. They're there to build a business that they, of something they love to do, which is training people, but more importantly, make money. So don't be like me and be wet behind the ears, naive, thinking like, okay, I'm just here to learn. No, you're here to make this thing grow. You're here to work. You're here to go out there in the field and not only get better, but apply those things now and think, man, what can I apply to this gym with my skills to bring in more revenue? What can I do? Like, that has to be taken as soon as you walk into the door. For me, that clock or that or that mindset of it, more importantly, or that's more proper to say mindset, but that mindset of I'm, what I'm telling you probably kicked in hmm, seven months into my first year. The first six were just like, how do I coach? How do I get better? What does this drill do? What does that do? Stuff like that. And I was having fun. I was enjoying it, but in a sense, I didn't have a certain point of urgency. Um, I won't say it's on others to put it out for you i think you have to just make that a habit going forward in life in any job you do have a certain sense of urgency that things have to get done now yes things can develop but you know that's just life but if i attack this situation more urgency and with more preparedness to try and make something grow now the results may yield a little bit faster and as things develop There might be more potential for growth instead of taking the, I wouldn't even say organic route, but just taking your time, basically. Because even if you go in there prepared and you go in there asking yourself, all right, what it is I'm great at or good at now, what it is I can grow here in this space and how can I use those skills to grow this gym or how can I be an asset to help grow this gym's revenue? Now, every day when you're at work, you're picking up on things that, you know, it's going to allow you to be a better coach instantly because you're trying to learn specific things and not broad things. Short term, you will be a better coach for what it is you want to do, but long term, you may be missing out on certain gaps depending on what you want to coach. You want to coach volleyball, track or you just want to dive into those things because you feel like you're going to be a well-rounded coach. Well, it's going to take you some time to sit there and talk to other coaches and pick upon their learning style. And it's going to negate what you're trying to do for your specific style. Because now you're not trying to go in there every day and beat upon your craft for this specific niche. You're kind of, in a sense, in a learning curve, blending all these different styles together to figure out something new, something organic, something fresh. And it's also applicable in a broad range. So you can always help out different populations of kids from the generic population to the soccer athletes, to the baseball athletes, volleyball, golf, so on and so forth, because you're learning about the human body, the different forms of training, how does each different sport have its different demands towards the body. For example, basketball is going to be a very tendon-based sport in terms of uh, the quick ground contact times, the minimal knee bends. And more importantly, the quick cuts compared to soccer, where it's a bigger field, uh, more endurance. So it's going to be more muscle dependent, especially the type of surface. The wooden floor compared to basketball is going to bias more tendons. And then for soccer, since it's grass, it's it's going to bias more muscular force. So with all that being said, you have to pick as an individual what you care more about. Do you care about the business side of this gym and you want to be an asset in that gym and you want to grow with the gym? Then you have to help it grow and you have to go out there and then you'll see your pockets grow long term. If you say like, I see myself being here in this community for eight to 10 years, pick up on that. But if you're like, well, I'm just here to learn. I just want to be a better coach. I'll be here as long as I can. But, you know, I feel like in the end I'll be out here on my own. You have to decide what it is you want to do going into the situation and then more importantly, be consistent with those actions, trying to make it happen every single day. If not, it would not yield it would not yield realistic results. With all that being said, now let's just discuss about handling certain hurdles. For example. The hurdle I dealt with the most going into that job was the uncertainty of growing. Meaning. How long do I have to wait until this gym grows before I see a pay increase? It's a long drive, I'm in school, have bills to pay. And it's like a stressor of a sorts I never had before. Other nine to fives, I was able to control my time by just asking for more hours to work. Overtime was always an option. I've never been in a situation where overtime is not an option. So here's one thing you can do. The extra hours you're not at the you're not at the gym, simply focus on using that certificate you earned or your degree to train people in other spaces. And it's just that simple. You don't have to try and kill yourself trying to force one-on-ones at the gym or trying to advertise something just to bring extra people in knowing you're not passionate about it is simply, okay, I'll be patient, I'll be grow with this gym so I can stay happy, and to handle bills, I will do something in between this time. Because if you're not happy, nobody else will be happy around you. Nobody likes a Grinch, nobody likes a Grump. So the first hurdle is finances. If you know they're not playing you that well, start being strategic and ask yourself, can I just use this job for one to two days out the week, while working my main nine to five to still make consistent income. That was the only mistake I made. I probably could have worked at the gym maybe once a week or twice a week just to learn. And then the other three days, I worked my 12 hour shift at my nine to five just to pay bills. And as time progressed, I would simply keep doing that until I had to make a choice of whether I will want to grow with the gym, or I walk away because I learned how to be a better coach, and now I start doing things on the side. Or a third option, I start trying to build something on the side within the gym, if ownership allows it, because not all gyms will allow you to solicit extra services, AKA your business within the gym. If you're gonna make money off of them, yes, they will want money off of you, but that's not the goal. The goal is to help them generate revenue, And as they generate revenue, you will get a pay increase. So never go into that situation thinking like, man, this job is going to be this, that, and the third. I really want to work this job. Like, yeah, don't go into job situations being very much like a it's a miracle type of situation. Be strategic and be logical. I wasn't that logical in that situation. And honestly, it hurt me. I didn't have to be so gung-ho. They have to be so, what's the word? Quick to just say, yeah, I'm going to just leave what's paying me a decent amount to get my bills paid with no complaints just so I can start my career now. You have to just be patient because when I made the switch, okay, pay was similar, but hours were not. So off rip, that should have been like a Bingo. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I can't do what? I can't get this. Ooh, Well, I know if I can't do this, I can't enjoy my life and I can't enjoy my life. Then I'm not going to enjoy this. And you see how that works? It's a domino effect. So make sure you know what you're doing and make sure you know what it is you want to do before picking it up. Okay. second hurdle. Don't go in there just. With a so-called open mind. If you're going to start your career as a coach. And you want to work within the gym. Already stand ten toes on what it is you want to do. Have direction with it. And then see how the gym can help you grow that. And use that gym as an experiment. To just work those things. It could be your own clinics for basketball. Say you want to do a motion offense clinic. Well... If you do it on your own, and people are charging, you know, and you're charging people a significant amount of money. Let's just say 120 dollars for the clinical camp per kid. Um, say this is your first time doing it. Don't you think? If it's bad, you're not going to get good reviews. So, those gems can be your experiments. Think about your personal training clients. Like all of these things can be used within the gym as an experiment to, to basically practice and get better as a coach. Because now they're paying you literally to just do something. Not a lot of these kids or a lot of these clients are going to, in a sense, benefit from because a lot of them are going to be inconsistent. That's just how life works for more joy than most gyms. You might see a kid in there, maybe. Three to four times out the week, on average, if they really care about their sport. But the ones that you know are just there just to be there, you might see them like once or twice a week. And the clinics are there to give out lessons and show kids new things, and then they take the lessons and work on them. A lot of these kids are being introduced to basketball for the first time. Nothing bad, but you know the concepts you teach to them, whether it be Princeton motion. Could be four out one inside line pick and roll, whatever it is you're trying to teach. That retentionship might not be that high if these individuals don't want to take it that serious. They're just here to have fun. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. But I'm just giving you the real world example of what's going on. So it is a place of practice. It is kind of similar to Robert Green's book, Mastery. And once you find your niche, you didn't have to accept the role of being a student and as being a student. You don't look for the compensation. The compensation is the practice, the experience, the learning lessons itself. That's the benefit. And then from there, it will give you the backbone you need to build the body of revenue you're looking for on the back end. So. First hurdle is understanding your financial situation and don't walk into there leaving one job or Basically going all out to one job, such as just coaching, knowing that it's not going to pay you that well. That's not a good move. Second hurdle. Don't go in there open minded. Have direction. If you are taking yourself serious as a coach, have direction and put your foot down and say, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask for help along the way to become it. That's how you do it. And the last hurdle is finding your voice. Some people like to be stern, some people are kind. You need to figure out what voice works best for you to get the most effectiveness out of a broad range of individuals. And that takes a while. That takes a lot of trial and error and you have to pay attention to how you coach and you have to see what the results come from it. And it ha- that does not have to be immediate. It does not have to be something overnight. You just need to pay attention over time to see if how you speak is impacting these kids in a great way or a bad way, and more importantly, in a fashion that doesn't allow you to be a pushover. So those are the three hurdles that I basically had to deal with to, in a sense, overcome. Last is finding your coaching style. My coaching style varies based upon who I'm dealing with. If I'm dealing with kids... Like very young kids, especially like you know, the middle school types. I'm not going to make it serious. I'm going to make every speed and agility situation game like as possible, competition like as possible, just to elicit kids to, in a sense, be what's the word? Have these kids at their highest peak of passion. Making games in a speed and agility fashion. In my opinion helps kids get better without them knowing they're getting better i would put approximately six to eight cones in a wide circle and i would do um in a sense tag so each kid had a flag around their waist and so the coals in a circular fashion and you've seen the um, curved linear running drills all the time in field sports helps build the ankles to be stronger Whenever you're running curves and helps the body learn how to help prepare this body to execute this movement. So if you tell these kids to just run a curve, run a curve, they're going to, make a long story short, BS it. But let's say you got a kid in front of you on the other end and he's running around that circle to chase your flag. Man, you got to drop those hips and turn that corner and keep running. And there was an extra catch to this drill. You could also stop on the dive turn around, and then try and chase them to get their flag. So now you have to react to somebody turning around trying to get your flag. Now you got to either run or juke the other direction to run away or try to sense take their flag same time as they're trying to take yours. So it's a lot of, you know, quickness, reaction going on during this time span, but these kids don't understand that concept. They're like, man, I just want to win. What are we going to, coach? We're going to four? Okay, I got two. I need two more flags to get pulled and I'll win. So for me, training middle schoolers and a little bit of elementary school kids, I wanted to make sure the speed and agility and even some strength training portions were at least game-like as possible. If you're asking strength-wise, how is it? how can that be game-like? Just use med balls. I would see who can throw the ball the farthest. I would see who can slam the ball the hardest or make the loudest sound. You know, a lot of different things in a game-like fashion with a safe, with a safe method. So med balls or, you know, boxes of appropriate height. And even just simple things such as broad jumps. see Who can jump out the farthest or simple things as who can hold a plank the longest, who can do a wall sit the longest. I'm not doing anything that's going to hurt a kid But it's still a strength workout, still going to help them grow, be better athletes. But they're not thinking like that. So you have to take these kids out the element of thinking like, oh, my God, I don't want to do push-ups. So, like, wait, I get two Gatorades if I do the most push-ups? Okay, bet, coach, I got you. So my coaching style varies for that. Now, high schoolers and college kids, I might be just probably the toughest guy around the corner. Like, just grizzly, tough. I'm not holding my words back, I'm going to curse at you, yell at you, because you have to get used to it. If you're a top-level athlete, college athletics is nothing of a cakewalk. It's probably, like, close to boot camp in the military if you get to that high level. And I'm not bashing you, not calling you outside your name, but I'm telling you, like, man, that shit ain't gonna cut it. Or I'm gonna tell you, are you dead serious right now? Are you trying to tell me that weak ass jump shot is going to get you somewhere? So you going through the motions and bullshitting right now is going to get you on the varsity team? You have to just spew information out like that because you have to break them down because certain kids around that age just feel like they're just better than everybody else. Nothing wrong confidence is what you need to go far in life, but too much of it without any stock or results is just delusional. So, you have to bring them down to reality. And once they're humbled now you build them up to be a better person so that's the thing about it, it's a balance you build them you break them down and build them up and that's just really it and so my coaching style varies from each different population and each different person and I believe that works makes me special because I do my best to understand the individual first and then embody something that I feel like can invoke the best version of them So whatever stimulus I feel like they need to grow, such as me making it a fun environment or me sitting down and telling them, take this stuff serious, or me just being quiet a lot of times and only speaking when I need to be spoken. And when I do say something, that's to be very short and to the point and they get it. You just have to know your player or players for that manner to make it work. So those are basically the things I learned. So far this year, like I said, this isn't going to be a long podcast, um, something very short, very educational. I would love to dive into it more, but it's very much what I've learned and what I've applied going from a nine to five to coaching. I can tell you this. If you plan to do anything full time in life and you know what what is and you know what's at stake. Be willing to accept the responsibility of how much work you're going to put in and how much you're going to put yourself through the fire. If not, slowly take your time, slowly build your way up, and just make a smoother transition. But if you're going to take that risk, just know this what comes with it. And it's just that simple. And if you feel like you're not comfortable enough making that decision, don't make it. But I'm happy I did, you know, just jump on a leap of faith and try it out. I was able to you know, take this company more serious. I was able to branch out and meet other people. I was able to branch out and talk to people who are now helping me grow my business. And I can't complain about anything so far. I'm on the verge of doing something that I always wanted to do. And it took at least seven years to get here. So be wise about your choices. More importantly, um, learn along the way. But I think the most important part of this podcast is this: If you're a young coach, figure out who you are, and then once you figure that out, then use those services towards the gym because I feel like it'll allow you to grow faster. Don't try to use the gym as a way to find your voice, unless you're in a space where they want you to. If they're looking for young and up and coming coaches and they want to groom them and grow them, that's better. But I feel like if You don't know what you want to do for as a coach. I would just say take your time, volunteer somewhere, like get better at that first. Just get better at coaching somewhere. I was so used to coaching older guys, never got, I never coached younger individuals. Should have simply volunteered at the rec center for a couple of months, see how that felt, and then take a job paying this. You know, the experience you do with certain events in life will allow you to make the decision you want to make. So, that's really it. Hope you guys are able to take some notes, use this um, episode to get better, learn how to take this podcast more professionally, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, and more what's the word, I don't know, I think professionally is a great answer, but that's really all I'm trying to do, to be more professional, be more educational, that's the word, with this platform to help individuals who were in my position or about to be in my position and to not make the same mistakes I did. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode.